She has earned a doctorate, supports her surgeon husband, and raises two great kids. She also is on the city council. Although her neuroscience is on the back burner, we as a little community continuously benefit from her passion and optimism to bring us together. From either through bocce ball or board games, Angie works hard to first listen to the citizens and then make the best decision to ensure we maintain the integrity of this little bubble. Angie spends about 30 minutes with me and you'll soon see how it takes people like Angie to keep the village strong. This is episode four. written here that if I was to describe you in one word is driven. Yeah, well, there you, you go. Know what I mean? okay. Like through a PhD program, let alone I think he went Ivy League, right? Columbia mm-hmm. or something. And yeah. A to get into a university like that obviously is a little bit of a challenge. B to do well enough to then apply to a PhD program, then do your dissertation. There's that underlying current of drive. Right. Your husband's a surgeon and all that time away and him obviously having to be on call, you know, mm-hmm. his whole career. Um, but for you to kind of be that steady hand with your kids, knowing that your drive could be used elsewhere. And, you know, I've commented to you in the past that I've always thought that you were a Ferrari in a garage, right? It's <laughs> like you have so much potential. And then let's think of what you're currently doing, right? That for us is this little village, right? Mm-hmm. To benefit from your drive. Now you're in the city council, which is a little bit different than neuroscience, I, I assume. Do you feel that you're you're kind of riding a wave with the current, against the current? You know, is is there things that you're seeing over time that bubble culture that we have or whatever? I mean, the bubble culture, if you talk about like village life, right? I think actually village life is going to be on the rise. That's my prediction. I think that a lot of people want the kind of life we have here. And I think that um, a lot of people, as they have, um, as they I think right now we have a lot of people living in cities that have decided, like after we had that housing bust, you know, they're renting or they're living downtown and they're not so attached to this like giant house in the suburb, my kingdom on my own. They want community. They want local businesses. They want sidewalks. They want their kids to be able to like do these kind of nostalgic things that maybe they never even experienced where it's like, oh, I'm going to walk to school or, you know, oh, I'm going to say hi to the crossing guard or, you know, they, they want different things. And I think that we actually have that here. And maybe that's because we preserved it from, you know, it, it's been here since the 50s. It's And maybe we're lucky that we preserved it or maybe we've built it. Um, but I don't think that we're going to see. I think that we're going to grow. I actually think that um as much as we can. I mean, we're somewhat landlocked and all that. I think that we're going to see more people moving in. Now, what I think is interesting is that, you know, we live in like very contentious political times, right? And there's a lot of anger and a lot of fighting amongst different groups and things. And there are people on both sides of an, the aisle that want this type of lifestyle. That's somewhat of a challenge because I feel like we really live in a purple district. <laughs> so, so, so I, that's hard to blend with the peace and harmony. But um, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist I've, I've said, and, I'm, and I'm hopeful. And I think we're, we, we all want, um, we want to live, we want to, we want to work together. We want to live in a calmer world. And I think we're going to get there. So what exactly is up with bocce ball and why do I always see you and Rob? So there? about four years ago, we, um, I was driving down 
Solon Road. And I saw that Bentleyville had put up a sign saying Bocce League forming. I called the number when I got home. I said, what is this? What are you doing? And it turned out that a Boy Scout had decided for a project, he wanted to build something and they told him, you can build us a bocce court. And I immediately thought, oh, this is fantastic. I need to get chagrin people involved in this. And also I want to start like a friendly rivalry between Chagrin and Bentleyville, just because it seemed like that would be a fun thing to do. And I was actually blown away by, I put up a post and said, Hey, this is Bocce League. I really want us to form teams. It'll be great. And we ended up with over a dozen, eight people teams from Chagrin of people that just literally signed up. And, and honestly, it's not that Bocce is popular. I think it's what, when I tried to pitch it to people, I said, look, can you throw a ball? You can play because I think people get intimidated by things. They don't want to try something because they want to be good at something. And this isn't about being good. This is about getting out and meeting your neighbors, hanging out, just to be having fun. And I'm really happy that now we're four years later, every year we consistently get about 20 teams and we play all during the week, all during the summer. And it's also, you go out and you meet a bunch of people and people have been really open to the idea that um, they sign up and they just get placed on a team, which I thought people wouldn't necessarily like. Like I've told people, like, if you have a team and you just want to keep it as a team, that's fine. But if you don't, I'm just going to put you with random people. And unbelievably, like we played the other night, this group of people had had never met and they're all like good friends now. And so <laughs> I think that, I know. And so that's the thing is that I think most people have realized that this is not this is just like let's people really want to get out and meet their neighbors. They really want to get out and do something that's fun and low stress. And there's really nothing more low stress than standing in the park, throwing a ball back and forth. And, uh, and also teasing each other about how badly we throw a ball back and forth. So that's bocce. Yeah. After we started the league with Bentleyville, we decided we wanted to get a second court because it was hard for as many people that were interested to play. So I started going through the Chagrin Falls process to say, Hey, we have parks. Can we build a court? And actually it's kind of funny. The, um, uh, rowdy bocce players. Uh, when I originally approached the park to say that we wanted to build a bocce court, they were concerned about putting it in Riverside Park because it might be too no kid. rowdy. Yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, we do, I guess, have a reputation. I, you know, despite, instead of trying to like allay the fears and go into a fight about Riverside Park, River Run is a perfectly good park that we don't use enough. And they were more than happy to throw something up there. I'm like, let's do that. And now actually what I find is more people are looking, we're actually talking about putting a new playground end up there at River Run. And so I think we're actually going to expand our park space by, um, instead of, there are advantages that you could see to say having it Riverside, because you'd be able to go to like local businesses afterwards and all that. It's more walkable, but River Run is great. There's a lot of positive things about River Run. And, you know, in some ways it's like that kind of gets into my own, like my philosophy now in life, which is, you know, like try to see the positive and what you got instead of uh, fighting for something you think you should have had. You've learned a lot, obviously, about not only the residents, but the other folks in the city council and stuff like that. Your expectations at the beginning to like, holy cow, this is reality. How far off was that? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, it's it's not 
it's not extremely different, but there are challenges that I didn't expect. Um, there's a lot, there's, there's a, I knew, cause I, I, I don't know whether you know this, but we, I used to go to council all the time cause I'm kind of like a meeting junkie. So I used to watch from the audience. So I was familiar with kind of the procedures, but I guess what I didn't know and what I, I guess I'm trying to educate people about more is that sometimes, um, things that you think your council people are doing or that they're aware of, they're not aware of either. (laughs) Exactly. Until like, and that's, and that's, should be disturbing. But at the same time, it's also not, it's less disturbing to think that um, if you think that like there's this nefarious group and they're trying to like, like pull a fast one on the community, that's generally not the case. A lot of times some, it's more like, there's just this inertia and things are moving through. And if people don't tune in and actually pay attention, then council is like a stopping point for things or a decision point where you got to look at things and you've got to make decisions for the community. Now, if you're just going to let inertia go through, then yeah, guess what? Things are going to happen that maybe the community doesn't want to happen. So that's why, I mean, I think that um, the important thing is to, for me is to realize that the role of these council people, the role of council is to speak for the community. You know, you, unlike the community, when these things are happening, we actually do have a vote. Like we actually get to say yes or no. So you as a citizen, you can complain and, you know, stomp on, you know, stomp your fist on the table or, you know, whatever, and say you don't like something, but, and maybe that'll have an effect, but most of these things actually have to be approved by council. So if they don't approve it, so, you know, I guess I take that, that part seriously that, you know, it's my job to like tune into what the community wants and make sure I'm paying attention. And so when things come through, you know, I can appraise it, you know, give it a good read through and decide whether this is good, bad, and also what the community would want. So how does a PhD in neuroscience, what you just kind of gave that up or what? No, I loved it. Loved it. Um, what happened with that is, uh, I guess what happens to a lot of people, um, my husband and I have been married for 30 years and we both had very challenging careers and then we had kids and our careers took us to different places because we've, we've lived in a lot of different places and uh, choices were made, you know? <laughs> so you, you, uh, we t- chose at that point, I had small children and they, I stayed home with my kids. I spent more time with them than um, I did with my job. And we chose to move for his career. So mine kind of got put on the back burner. And I think that's one of the things I, um, and I really, I was very sad about that, actually. I was very depressed about like leaving kind of the science stuff behind because when you when you do research, you follow, you have theories and you have uh, areas that you're, it wasn't like I did random science. I had a field and something that I was looking for and I had goals. And so it's hard to put those things on a back burner. But I, I got, I've gotten over it. I swear that way. I've moved on. I've realized that those skills, um, they can be applied to a lot of different things. And also, you know, the things that you learn, um, in science, one of the things you learn in science is how to learn. And so that's been, um, very helpful to me because you can apply it to anything. You can learn new things. When you started down this path, were you involved college and I was, you know, like a vice president, student council, that kind of stuff. Um, and you know, I did, I did some, you know, like some speech type things and things like that, mostly in, in, um, in high school and in college, I was a total science nerd. And I spent most of my time in the lab. I love that. That was great. But, um, if you were way back, I did win the fifth grade civics award. I did. I did win the fifth grade civics prize. So, um, you know, and my, my family, my uh, grandmother is like, uh, 
she's she's passed away, but she was a person who knew everything about American history, was a huge uh, civics, um, very involved person, very involved in the community. So in some ways, I think, you know, even though I never said to myself consciously, like I'm trying to be like my grandmother, I think when I look it's interesting because I am doing more of what my grandmother did with her life. Learning civics from your grandmother, you learned how to get the community involved. This is where I kind of like do things like the bocce thing or, you know, like uh, let's, you know, work on um, like crossing guards, things that we can all get behind, that we can all like find our um, find the things that we are unified um, about and things that we can promote um, and build together, because I think that's what builds your community is having common interests and common goals. And also, I think the whole take a village thing um it takes a village is very, it's, it's, um, I guess the way I've been seeing it is we've gone through this period in my life. And I don't know if in your life or not, where everybody, um, wants to be everything. Like they want to be good at everything. And I I think that even with our kids, like we've pushed them and they, they, they want to be the best athlete and the smartest kid and the greatest at everything. And anything they can't do, they see as some kind of deficit. And I think that that is like, not really the way the world is. People are good at some things and not good at other things. And we need to find the value in working as a team and using people for what they're good at and not expecting them to fill every possible role. And I think if you are going to live that way, which I think is the human experience, you need a community because you can't do it alone. So, um, I mean, that's my personal, my personal feeling. I, 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 and I always, um, like on council, this is like, you know, I always say like to people, I'm going to make the best choice I can. I'm going to be really transparent about things. Um, I'm going to look at something, but that doesn't mean I'm not, I, I won't be wrong. Like there are times when I will be wrong. That's why I'm happy to have seven council people, because if six of them look at me and say, Angie, you're crazy. I respect that. Maybe on this particular thing, I'm crazy. Like that's why we elect seven people, you know, but all you can do is do what's best for you. And I do actually trust in the group. Like I trust that we're going to get to the right place um, if we listen to each other and if we respect each other and, you know, work towards, you know, this, this is goal. not the rougher parts of the no. area, right? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's definitely, we're very blessed. Very, we are very blessed. The takes a village, you know, concentrates. Mm-hmm. I think the proverb is concentrating on, on the kids growing kids, yeah, exactly. and, and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. But when you mention that bocce ball and the benefits of that and the underlying support it gives to people to get out and meet right. their neighbors, but in the last year I've been fascinated with the issue of loneliness. Yes, and I Very think much. you know from the spectrum of age in in the retirement villages mm-hmm. all the way down to folks that might be sitting at a Starbucks. They look like they're busy, but the only human interaction they're going to have is probably with the barista or, you know, so the village part about listening to the loneliness, because it's, it's so easy to kind of bury, it's not top of mind, top. There are people in this village, I think, do not have any human interaction, or if they do, they're in relationships that are, they're always giving, they're, you know. But there, I, I believe there's this underlying wisdom of this town that um, people express through, you know, maybe it is the bocce ball or different. Ex- how do you get those people out of their right. w- retirement well, see, homes that's and the stuff thing. like that? I mean, that's 
that, I mean, I, and I relate because I am one of those people, I mean, like, this is insane that I'm sitting here talking to you with <laughs> cameras because I am definitely someone that likes to sit on my couch alone with the curtains closed. Like introverted. Very introverted. And it's not that, you know, I guess I am, I mean, I could say, you could say I'm a little shy, which is different from introverted, but um, it's, um, it's stressful. Like you were like, I worry. That's what it is. So you worry when you go out with people that, what are they thinking? What are they thinking of me? And it's hard to turn that off. I don't know. It's like anxiety or things like that, but that's, that's where I, um, with the bocce ball, that's where I said it was like, it was a goal for me to say no expectations. Like we're not expecting you to be good. We're not expecting you to be funny. We're not expecting anything. The only thing I'm expecting everyone to just be nice. And you, what did you yeah. expect? Like five people show up or? Well, I wasn't sure. I don't see, but that's now. So now I want my next, my new thing is I, I'm bringing my nerd, like bringing my full nerd out because now. You're doing algorithms. Yo, no, 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 no. My ner- way worse, way, way worse, Kendall. So in the winter, we're going to try to start like a board game night. Whoa. Exactly. I know. Like so, but kind of? no, 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 not role play. Although that, believe me, but, but I'm, I'm a, that could be scary in this town, but, um, uh, a, like a board, like, you know, board games, like strategy games, whatever, you know, not, we're not going monopoly. We're going like Catan, you know, things like this, but anyway, we'll see if people show up. But when I put that out, there were people that were like, yeah, I definitely do that. Really? And the thing is, is that I think the problem is to get people out is you have to find what they're willing to risk because I think that people are like, you know, the people get nervous. They don't, they don't know. Like, I don't know why the world seems like a dangerous place now, but it does like coming out. Like what's interesting with the bocce thing, you know, I know I'm totally stream of consciousness now, but um, somebody did say to me, somebody that I knew from online who came out to join a bocce league thing, but um, she, from all appearances online knows everyone. And she asked me to place her on a team and said she didn't know anybody. And I remember thinking, how can you not know anybody? But I think that you're right. People don't have good connections. They might have these like tenuous connections or they don't feel like they have a connection. And um, I I do. I really want to get past that because I do agree. Like um, that support from your community um, it's not only like good for the community, but it's good for you. You know, you look at people and you look at like lifespan and the social connections you have, those affect your lifespan. You know, my, my mother-in-law unfortunately passed away very suddenly and tragically uh, two years ago. And we worry all the time about my father-in-law because he doesn't do anything. And so if you lose like your one connection, if you have like, oh, the gardening club, the bowling league, the woodworking group you're still going to get out of the house. You're still going to see people and they're going to check on you. But if you don't do that, you're alone. And that is something that I, I do worry about. Like I hear that even just in our community. And I've, I've been thinking about that. I just heard recently about some seniors that people say, oh, you know, so-and-so told me that she doesn't get out much anymore because she can't walk very well. And I start thinking like, who is in their house here in this community that needs that needs some connection and how can how can we do something about that because you know, you never want to, I mean, nobody ever wants that. Like if you hear a story when something tragic happens, you know, they find somebody who was alone and they died or something happened and, you know, to them when they were alone, everyone around them always says, we had no idea. Like they were alone. So how do we, how do we do that? Like, and I do know, like I said, being an introverted person, it's hard to drag people out of their house, you know, like, you know, they have to want to go. So I think you have to try a bunch of different things. 
you have to offer a bunch of different things. It's just like when you volunteer for a, um, when you volunteer to work for a, 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 if you run volunteers, which, you know, I've, I've been in all these volunteer organizations. One of the things I always tell you is offer some kind of volunteer job where people who want to attend the event, but don't feel comfortable at social events can do like tell them they can tend bar or they can do this. And it's true because it's easier for you to get out. If you feel like I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to be like pouring drinks. And I guess that works for some people, but that's, I think our goal, I mean, well, our, our goal, if you, if you want to build a community, um, you need to try to think of all the angles to try to bring people out, to let them feel more comfortable so that you can benefit from them. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom <laughs> that they have. Absolutely. No, exactly. It's the thing. All these people have, a, there are a lot of skills and a lot of talent yeah. that, you know, that's the only way, I mean, that's what makes our village so strong. It's like all these, you know, I, I'm on the shade tree commission. Love that. What the heck is that? <laughs> exactly. So, so, you know, like when you're on council, they put you on different, you have to be a council rep to different commissions and different groups. So I ended up being placed on the Shade Tree Commission, which is a group of people that basically take care of all the trees that are owned by the village in our town. And these guys are the most organized, like dedicated guys that you could ever imagine. And they're trying to get more people. So if anybody loves trees, please come join this group. But, you know, they meet once a month and they know every tree in the village. They go out and take care of things. And we give them some funding to like plant new trees every spring and all this. But um, when at one point they sent me a disaster planning for tree management that they got from FEMA. And I thought it's kind of impressive that our tree guys have a disaster plan. Like I haven't heard about this from other things, but they do. But they have, they're bonded. They have a cause. They meet for breakfast at seven in the morning. And every, when I tell my kids when I'm going to shade, uh, shade tree meetings, I'm always like, it's shade tree morning. I love these guys. It's awesome. Well, we need they, more of that. We need more of that going on. You know? I don't think of about a month ago, I bought that book, Giving Tree. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and, and I'm, tree. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and I think about it, like, right? So that if we were to line up a tree and the benefits of a tree obviously the number one thing is oxygen then it gives a home to birds it gives a home it gives shade the wood even after it's gone they're able to use it to create other things like homes and fire and you start to think man these things are actually pretty valuable so obviously you would have to have a committee and well and actually what's kind of cool i mean this gets back into kind of a neuroscience thing and i don't really have any idea how it works but if you've looked at um any of the research that looks at anxiety and depression in nature like there's like some doctors that have started prescribing like go for a walk and yeah, there's exercise, but walking on a treadmill does not do the same thing as walking through like the woods. What is that? Like it could be, end up something be, be, it could be something biological. Like there's some kind of like, you know, you're, you're, or you're, yeah. Or you're being exposed to, you know, some type of like, you know, like looking at all the micro gut things, like who knows, or it could be just something that we don't, you know, that we're not aware of yet. I mean, that's, there's so much we're not aware of, but I do think that the fact that we live in a kind of leafy environment is also very good for us. It's very valuable, you know? And if you look at a lot of the research, the tree guys will, will show you this, all this research that it's important. It's something we should maintain. It costs us a very little amount of money. So, you know, obviously we did, and we've been a tree city now, I think for like 32 years for a city. I think we should embrace that. Speaking of trees, do you feel kind of empty nesty or? No, I don't. You want to know why? Oh, okay. I don't know if you want to know why. They've moved back. <laughs> Actually, they're not back in my house, but they're in Cleveland, which is great. Um, so my son graduated from college last year and he wanted to live in Cleveland. 
go Cleveland. So he's downtown in Cleveland Heights and my daughter transferred to Case. So she's downtown, which has been great for us because we realized this like family dream of having Sunday dinners. You know, we have like the week and then on Sunday, everyone comes to the house. Yeah. We put reggae music on and we try to grill something. Nice. Life is good. I don't know if that's a traditional Sunday dinner, but that's what's, what we're doing. So that's been really nice. Um, neither one, my husband and I both moved away right after college and we like we moved to many different cities you know we, we lived like a lot of different places you get kind of jealous of those people that have like all the family in one space so I don't know whether we're going to do that or not like so far so good I do worry in the world that we live in now that um that pe- people have to move for their jobs you know or your if you want to get the best job you have to go somewhere else so it's an interesting conversation I have to have that with my son because it's like well you can get a better job if you move somewhere else but this is why I was saying about I have optimistic about the village. I'm not sure this generation wants that. I think this generation is less driven by getting the best job and more looking at having a good life. I don't think that always people chasing the highest salary or the biggest house or not even either of those things, but just the best title has made them happy. So maybe if we get a generation that can find some balance. And, you know, I was saying kids, you know, make sure you can put a roof over your head, make sure you can feed yourself. But you know what, if you're happy, you're happy. I wanted to actually get your opinion on democratization of education. Have you heard that term? That's a cool idea, right? So the one to many, the prof to the students versus the many to many, Mm -hmm. where um, obviously with tech, you're able to learn at a different pace and a different clip. Well, I think it's something that, yeah, like I could definitely, it's one of those things where you wonder how it's going to develop because a lot of this stuff is not really, doesn't really have anything to do with what's best for education. It's more kind of power structures Mm -hmm. and who's in, I mean, and that, that's sad to say, but you know, I, like I look at some universities now and obviously like they're very smart people there and they're teaching and all that, but I feel like yeah, like if you put like lectures up online or people can teach each other or you can learn things. If you like and in tech, you see this more than in other fields. If you have the skills, why do you need the degree? And more companies are starting to realize that. But what they still need, and I understand this, too, is they want somebody to like give a stamp of approval to this person and say, this person is trained. Yeah, like a certificate. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's what universities have just been, right? You get a degree and they're like, well, they got a degree. They got through that. Yeah. They meet the, those requirements. So I kind of wonder if we're going to end up developing like, and I don't know if this will happen, like some type of, yeah, cert- certification yeah. that's actually real. Like most of the stuff I look at now, like, I don't know if you looked at it, like there's a lot of certifications for different things that have popped up and they tend to be not as well respected as yeah, makes sense. Right. Well, and that's the thing is that if it's not if they're not respected, then who cares? Like, you know, it's not going to mean anything. It's all about whether you respect the certificate or not. That's so. that's the 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 thought I had with let's say um, learning specific skills to get a job right. versus getting the degree. The the one argument that I would have just looking sure. you know over time is. It's wonderful to be able to walk out of um, tech boot camp right. and be able to get into a you know a, a good kind of- career, but I think what's missing is that liberal arts humanities. Oh, I agree. You know that that understanding of history, um, 
if you are so focused on one skill, there's a whole part of life. Like I'm looking at these history books. I always tell my kids, I I say things like, holy crap, did you hear about this story that happened in, you know, the 18th century? And I just am fascinated by what people went through and all the wisdom of these stories. And if they go through this education that is just primarily skill-based, they're unaware of the foundation of what they're standing on. Well, I agree. I mean, that's actually, yeah, you and I absolutely agree on that. And what's interesting is, um, you know, my husband and I both had big liberal arts. You know, we both went to these like, you know, bastions of liberal arts education. So for your first two years, that's all you're doing is, you know, all these required liberal arts type classes that you are sampling history and art and philosophy and all that. And, you know, my son, he went um, into engineering, very different engineering is just science, science, science. And I love science, but there's no time in that schedule for philosophy, Mm. art, whatever. And he wouldn't. And the thing is also what's sad is I think that we're teaching our kids not to value that. Like it's, it's, and and, and I don't, I mean, I struggle with it. I don't really know how I feel about it because there's this feeling that it's a very indulgent, you know, that it's, it's like some, it's not necessary. What's it getting you? Like, how's it useful? But I think you're right. There's some intangible benefit that we're losing if we start just chasing skills. And I think we're going to start feeling that. And I don't know if there's a more efficient way to get that or if it's just, you know what, learning stuff and, 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 um, getting like, uh, the scope of history and some type of wisdom takes time. So there's no efficient way to do it. You know, what are you going to do? Like you might need to spend a couple years, doing that. Like I I worry even we do, we even do that at the high school level. Now it's just all this focused stuff. That's, um, it doesn't, it's not very, um, open to just like thinking about the world. I worry that we're not valuing it. And if it's not valued, people won't do it or they'll feel like it's a waste of their time. And I think we need to like return to like valuing and, and, you know, everything like in the world is economic now. So, you know, and that's, that people, if they're not getting paid for it, they don't see it as being valuable. So a lot of creativity is not, it doesn't pay well, you know, <laughs> so unless you hit it big, you know, you're not, it's not, you know, but we need it. Are you going to stay on this route with the, with the oh, city or whatever? So, um, yeah, it's been interesting. I don't know if I, I yeah, um, I, I am planning right now. I'm, I'm, I'm running for a reelection council. I've done three years. Do you want to be council? Why don't you be mayor or whatever? Oh, that's a good question. I, I have considered running for mayor um, at another point. It's a different kind of job, but um, but I think it. it I, I think I would enjoy it. I think I could. Really? I could do a good oh, job. Oh, you could nail it. It's just, would you enjoy it? Right? I think I have you know things to offer. But right now, our our the current mayor that we have, he is a financial guy, and he's done a really good job of straightening out our finances. So he's running for re-election right now. And um, I think that he's getting us back on a steady footing financially, which is important. I think that, you know, we went through kind of a, when the whole country went through financial crisis, the local government also kind of hit some bumps in the road. We never get to a point where, you know, like some of these cities you see now, like the they don't have any money. Like they're out. We never got to that point. So we're actually on good fitting now, which is, is nice in a local government because, um, you know, the local government, we can do big things. Um, if we all work together, that's what the local government's supposed to help you do, but you can't do big things if you can't, like if your roads aren't paved, because you, you got to worry about, it's like, you know, you can do great things with your house, but not if you don't have a roof, because guess what you get to do? A roof. So, you know, <laughs> so, so I think we're putting the roof back on. 
And then we can start talking about other things. So this will be your fourth year. Yeah. So I did three years. So I did one year when I applied to be um, in an appointed position because um, we had a council person that moved out of the area. So I um, applied and and was placed in that position by appointment. And then I ran. So that was two years. This will be my fourth year. So if I if I am elected, I'll have had five years on council. So do you and like the do you and Rob have to go around shaking hands and stuff like that or? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. It's you know what I think? I'm gonna I'm gonna level with here. You know what I have found, and I'm not sure. Like I'm I'm not I'm not built for this. As I mentioned, I am a nerd, and an introverted nerd at that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of drinking involved wow. in politics. Yeah, there's a lot of drinking. Um, like church it, it level two things, drinking. No, it could be two different types of drinking. There's wine. And there's coffee. Okay. Mm. Coffee's fine. But I find like there are literally some days when I'll come home and I'll say to Rob, like, yeah, I had three coffees today and two glasses of wine. And it's just funny because it's like, I love talking to people, you know, and it's good to go out and all that. But sometimes I'm like, I, I'm not sure I can have another coffee. <laughs> and then you also feel like, am I really doing stuff? I've been at Heinen's. I, one day I was at Heinen's literally all day, like just sitting oh, in the cafe with another person would come down and I'd like have another meeting. And it was okay. I mean, it was fine, but I was, I thought it was like being efficient because I put them all back to back. But I'm also like, I have been sitting here. And Heinen's all day. I want to be available to people. So that's it. I'll drink another cup of coffee. How do you deal with like the complaining and the negative? I mean, do you just kind of whatever? I've gotten better at it. I mean, the thing is, is that I don't honestly, most people are very good intentioned. I like people. I'm, I am optimistic. Will Rogers. I honestly can't think of somebody that I don't, that I don't like, you know, there's always something good. And when people complain, they, it's usually coming from a good place. It's usually something, it's usually there's something they don't understand, or we have a genuine disagreement and that's okay. You know, like uh, people disagree. It's fine. Some people want different things, but, you know, you just have to listen to people and you try to find common ground if you can. You know, I'm grateful and I know my family's grateful um, for your daily efforts and you speak for all of us. So thank you for taking care of our little village. And I hope this encouragement takes root so you can call on it when the storms come, even though you're you're uh, you're doing an awesome job. You're well. So thanks for coming in. You're done. You got what you need. Excellent. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) 